Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we will be discussing mental health in marriage. What do I do when the person I love is struggling with their mental health? What happens when the person I have decided to spend the rest of my life with is struggling with anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, postpartum depression, eating disorder, or PTSD? Can I still love them if they may not be able to fully love me? Am I wrong for wanting to leave? What about my happiness? If you are in a relationship with someone who is struggling with their mental health, you may have asked yourself some of these questions, or you are in agony trying to decide how to move forward in your relationship. Well, you are not alone. About one in five people suffer from a mental illness, and for many individuals, that one is their spouse. Living with somebody with mental illness can be distressing, especially in a romantic relationship. It can also be draining and confusing. Marriage is already a bond that takes effort to build every single day, and mental illness can be seen as an obstacle at times, but it doesn't have to be. In this episode, we will be discussing signs that your spouse might have a mental illness, emotional distressors, how to deal with mental illness in your relationship, self-care, and can your marriage survive a mental illness? If you have been enjoying the content, please follow us on Instagram at Black Marriage Therapy. Rate us on your podcast platform and share your favorite episode with a friend. So I decided to do this episode because I feel like this is kind of the dark corners of marriage that people don't often discuss what it's like being in a relationship with somebody who may be struggling with mental health and unfortunately in our society even now mental health is still stigmatized in a lot of ways and there's so much isolation and seclusion around it that people often feel alone and that in itself is difficult So I wanted to do this episode because I wanted everyone to get a glimpse into the parts of marriage that maybe we don't often talk about, but it's a very real part because these times are when everything that you have created with this person is tested. The love that you have, what does it mean when trouble comes? In my relationship, neither of us have experienced any significant mental illness, but recently after having my second daughter, I had a stint of anxiety that was really weighing on me and I tried to hide it for as long as I could, but I had to come clean with my husband and let him know like this is how I'm feeling, this is how I'm thinking and even though I've never experienced anything like this, I had to realize that mental illness is not something that a person chooses. 
you know, it can happen to anyone at any time. Thankfully, we were able to figure things out and talk about it and work through it. And, you know, it wasn't a generalized anxiety disorder. It wasn't like a, a real diagnosed disorder, but it was a period of time where I wasn't myself or fully myself. So that affects your relationship, that affects your communication, that affects your emotional connection, that affects your sex life and, you know, the joy and everything that you are bringing to the relationship. I hope that this episode is not too somber. I'm hoping to bring hope and life to, you know, the topic of mental health and marriage, but this is going to be um, one of those episodes that's more on a serious note and something that you should consider and think about in your marriage. All right, let's get into it. The first thing that I want to talk about is the signs of mental illness. Now, every mental illness have their own symptoms and distinct signs, um, unique signs. However, there are some general, general signs that are common across the board when it comes to different mental illnesses. Um, some of them are excessive sadness, trouble sleeping or feeling tired, strong feelings of anger or irritability, having suicidal thoughts, extreme mood swing. That means like going from feeling depressed to feeling euphoric quickly, having hallucinations or de- delusions, um, difficulty, difficulty perceiving reality, isolation from friends, withdrawing from social activities, changing in sex drive and changes in appetite. One thing that I realized is that it's important to look for the signs. Now, when it comes to mental health, it can be complex. It's not always so direct. Sometimes, you know, people may have mental health issues that stem from their past um, or they've experienced some type of mental health in their past and it may be coming up again. Right. Or their parents had uh, mental health issues or, you know, family history of mental health issues. Um, or sometimes it's a traumatic event. Sometimes something has happened like a loss of a loved one or they just had a baby or maybe they are coming, their veterans are coming home for the first time, you know, different scenarios that can cause or lead to, um, people having mental health issues. Um, even some things as, as, uh, losing a job or starting a new job stress in any way, you never know what can happen that can cause mental um, health um, issues, right? So being in sync and kind of being aware of like things changing and, and, you know, not like, oh, you know, you had a bad weekend, but really it's like, oh, it's been a week. It's been two weeks and they're not getting out of bed or, you know, they're really, really irritable, you know, uh, not wanting to do social activities, things like that. Now, in my case with the stint of anxiety that I had, I was for the most part high functioning. I was doing everything per se normal. Um, but me, myself, I was aware that I was not mentally feeling normal, you know? So if you're a type, if you're a person where you know that you're off or, you know, you're not mentally where you should be and you have that level of awareness, sometimes it takes a little bit of courage, but you kind of have to expose yourself. And that's what I had to do because if it was up to my husband looking for the signs, he may not, it may not have been so easy for him to see because for the most part I was high functioning. I was, um, you know, cooking still taking care of the kids, doing all this stuff, but I was not doing well emotionally, mentally. And I just had to, Hey, here's what's going on and have that conversation and talk to him about it and say, Hey, like, 
you know, we really need to talk about this. So those are some signs that your spouse may be dealing with a mental illness. The reason I think that it's difficult to deal with mental illness in relationships is because it's something that we often don't plan for. Unless you came into the relationship knowing that this person had some form of a mental illness, a majority of the time, you know, it's something that we almost don't sign up for. And as selfish as this may sound, you really question like, you know, this is not really what I signed up for. Like you're, you're becoming a caretaker, you know, you're adding more fear and worry to your life because you're so thinking about the other person. Like, you know, are they well, are they okay? Are they going to get out of bed today? Are they going to be very irritable today? Are they going to contemplate suicide today or write their suicide note? You know, and so now you're anxious and you're fearful and, and worried, you know, and, and that is adding stress to your life. And now you're, you have to consider like, is this what I want for my life? This is not what I thought marriage would be, you know? And sometimes that's very difficult to reconcile with. And I don't think there is a right answer, right? I don't know if, if it's bad or good that you feel what you feel is, I think it's okay that you are feeling your feelings and, and exploring them. Now that we review the sign, I kind of want to take a moment and speak about, um, the people who may not have like actual diagnosed mental illnesses, I'm just going to call them like mental and emotional uh, stressors or distressors. This may be like, like for instance, for me, I don't believe that I had an anxiety disorder where it was for the most part, you know, affecting my life for a long period of time. But I had a stint or a short period of time where, you know, I was dealing with anxiety. So for people who are experiencing a mental distress or emotional distress in that sense, although it may be different from managing a a mental health, a mental illness or possibly a medication or therapy and stuff like that, it's still important that you address it, right? So if, for example, postpartum depression, that's a real thing, like you may have a baby and your your body just from the hormones itself it's like kind of turns on you and you know you're feeling extra sad and all these type of things and a conversation still needs to be had you know maybe you need medication maybe you need extra therapy maybe you just need to you know find support amongst family and friends and you know other people in the community things like that but even if you are not fully diagnosed or you feel like maybe your your um, issues is not severe you know it's still something that needs to be uh, addressed. Unfortunately, because of the stigma of mental health, a mental illness and like being deemed as crazy or being deemed as a burden, you know, people often don't seek help and then things get worse. So if you're if you're dealing right now with uh, anxiety in your job, if you're married, those conversations should be happening, you know, and, and just that support and that conversation itself can help you relieve some of that anxiety before it can get worse. But if you are so afraid to have a conversation about how you're feeling and how your mental health is doing and how maybe you're feeling extra sad, things like that, then that can lead it to be even worse, right? Because now you're stuck in your own mind, repeating negative thoughts and never addressing them. So it's important that even if you feel like, oh, well, I'm not diagnosed, or I'm not taking medication, or I'm not doing all that stuff. If you are feeling like your mental health is needs to be addressed, and that is a conversation you absolutely should have with your spouse and figure out next steps.
So the next thing is how to deal with mental illness in your relationship. This is crucial, how you actually deal with it. It's important in most crises or in most situations in marriage, right, that you come together and focus on the problem and finding solutions to the problem rather than going apart from each other or coming against each other. In marriage, oftentimes when there's some type of crisis, when there's some type of issue, it's unfortunate, but sometimes we we work against each other or we attack each other as if we are the problem or we run away from each other because of fear or worry of addressing the problem. In the case of mental health, it's the same thing. You want to come together and join together as force as a force. Even if you're you aren't the person with the mental illness, your life is significantly affected by the person with the mental illness. So although it's like she has a mental illness or he has a mental illness, is is our mental illness. I don't you know that may sound like a cliche, but you know, that's how you kind of want to look at it from that perspective. So that way you guys are coming together and to focus on the problem of mental illness in order to have a healthy relationship, um, even despite having the mental illness. So the first step to how you um, address mental illness in a relationship is communication. Communication is key. We, I mean, we've heard communication is key from jump in every aspect of relationship. And in this aspect, it hasn't changed at all either. Communication is key, right? If it's a, it's the case of, let's say, let's just say, for example, we're talking about depression and medication and maybe the person with the mental illness feels like, well, I don't want to be on this medication. It makes me feel like crap. And the other person without mental illness is like, uh, well, you need to be on medication because if you're not, then, you know, you kind of turn into a different person or whatever like that. Who's right? Who's wrong? Right. Because it's that person's body. They're the one who's taking the medication and it's affecting them. But then at the same time, it's the other person's life. When you're not on medication, this is how things happen and things change. So it's affecting this person. So coming together and communicating and really discussing with health professionals and therapists and all these, and you know, whoever else needs to be um, in part of this conversation is imperative. And keeping that line of communication open is also imperative. Um because you don't want to blindside one another. Now, although you are communicating about what's, what is the best um, resolution for the both of you guys, it's important that the spouse not struggling with the mental illness does not become um, the therapist or, you know, an enabler or crutch or anything like that. You are not to to take the role of the doctor, right? Because, um, you know, sometimes you just want to help so much and you just want to like, you know, do everything, but that in itself can weigh you down because it's not your role. You're supposed to be supporting and, and trying to find solutions and things like that. And it's hard. It's easier said than done because you love the person and you want the best for them and you want to help them. But if you're taking on a role that is uh, too much for you, it's not really what you are supposed to be doing, then that can be overwhelming and you can find yourself, you know, 
overwhelmed and stressed and anxious and fearful and all those different type of things. So it's important that although you are, you know, in communication with your spouse, that you're not becoming the crutch, you're not becoming the therapist, you're not becoming, you know, um, a, a medical professional or anything like that. You are um, working in tandem with those in, those people who are important in order to find the best solution for your relationship. That leads me to the next point, finding support. Again, it's essential. It's crucial. <laughs> all these things are going to be crucial. Okay. So if I say it's crucial four more times, then just know that it's all important. Um, finding support. When it comes to mental illnesses, especially something that's diagnosed, it's important that you find the right doctor, doctors, the right therapists, you know, the right help. Um, whether it's group therapy or, you know, inpatient facility, depending on, you know, how bad it is or, um, the, a, a therapist or psychiatrist or whatever form of support, you know, it's important that, um, you find support also getting your family on board, right. And getting support in that way as, as, as many loving people as you can to get around you and bolster you and, and help to support you and to cushion you through this is super important. You don't, this is something that you don't want to go on and on alone. And I know we talk about in marriage, how, you know, it is a sacred union and, you know, we don't want people to be all up in that union and stuff like that. It makes things sour real fast. But in cases like this, you need people who are loving and supporting around you so that when you are weak, you have support, especially if you are the caretaker, right? But also for the person with the mental illness, having more people around you, having loving, caring people around you to help you, uh, uh, strengthen you is super important that on top of a, a, a good treatment team, uh, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, a, a pastor, whoever these people are, it's important that you have a good uh, team around you as well. Um, also they can, that treatment team can educate you on the, the mental health disorder. So if it's something like bipolar disorder where they have extreme highs and lows, like extreme depression, extreme euphoria, they can educate you and tell you, well, this is what it looks like. This is the signs you should be looking out for. This is how we treat it. All these type of things. Education, sometimes knowledge is power where you feel like, okay, I don't have control over this thing, but I have control over this. I can figure out, okay, well, let me make sure like how to let me be a, more aware of the signs and let me be a, more aware of, of, of the things that I can help, right? Maybe I can't make my wife or my husband feel better, but we can take walks every day because exercise has been shown to improve mental mental illnesses, right? So just the education, the support, getting help is going to be very important to helping you work through this um mental health issue in your relationship. Another thing that you can do to help work through mental illness in your relationship is to focus on your marriage outside of mental illness. Now, this is easier said than done because depending on what type of mental illness it is, it's not always easy to just be able to like, you know, be spontaneous or, you know, do like take a trip or do all these type of things because you have to consider the fact that the person, you know, is struggling with this mental illness. But as much as you can, if there's anything that you can do, you know, outside of the mental illness, right? Because you're probably going to doctor's appointments and talking to doctors and talking to therapists and doing this and doing that, right? You want to find something outside of the mental illness that makes you guys happy. Even if that means taking a walk every single day, even if that means like, you know, taking your 
pet on a ride or <laughs> anything that that makes you uh, happy and joyful and that's outside of you know discussion and topics of mental illness and of course this is considering that the person is stable right so that they're not in like crisis or psychosis or anything like that so if the person is is stable of course right you want to try to do these things if, if that's watching a movie or dinner, something like that. The next point I want to talk about is self-care. This, again, (laughs) is imperative. When you are the primary caretaker of somebody who is struggling with the mental illness, they're struggling with a mental health uh, disorder, or, uh, you know, maybe they're they're not diagnosed, but they're having a stint of depression or anxiety, or, um, you know, just struggling through grief or loss, whatever the issue is, it's important while you are taking care of that person that you take care of yourself. It's not easy because your whole mind and your whole heart is on how do I make this person better? How do I get my wife back or my husband back? How do I I, I make their life and our lives blissful and joyful again and hopeful again? You know, and you can't even focus on anything else other than that. So how could you possibly take care of yourself? Although I know that it may be difficult, you are not Superman. You are not Superwoman. It is imperative that you take care of yourself. If you're pouring from an empty cup, you aren't going to be, you're going to be left dry. You're not going to have anything left to give. Um, And then you really won't be of help. So even if that means, you know, you taking a break sometime or like doing something that is for you, something that you enjoy, a hobby, you know, if you like to read or go to the library, whatever that thing is, you have to practice self-care if you are the primary caretaker of somebody who is struggling with a mental illness. Do something for yourself. When you do that, you're able to replenish yourself, give yourself a little bit more energy to be able to continue down this road of mental illness. Sometimes this this journey, it can be a sprint. It can be like a, a stint, like, a, you know, a short period of time. Sometimes some people's marriages is their whole entire marriage, their entire lifetime of dealing with mental illness in a relationship. So you don't want to burn out after three months, six months, because you are exerting all your energy. You want to be able to be present and be useful to your spouse and helpful to your spouse. So it's important that you also take care of yourself. Lastly, I would like to address and discuss Can marriage survive a mental illness? And similar to some of those harder, gray, complex questions, the answer is yes and no. And it depends. Um, Mental illness is something difficult to deal with. Um, There is a lot of hope in it too as well, right? Because As I mentioned before, one in five individuals struggle with mental illness, and um, yet there are still people who are living fulfilling lives, and they find the medication or the therapist or the psychiatrist that they need in order to be able to live full, fulfilling lives, um, even though with their mental illness. There's people who are schizophrenics, who who have PhDs and who are professors, you know, and have children and have spouses and things like that. So it's not a death sentence, but 
it will be, uh, I will be remiss to not address the fact that it is something difficult and that it needs to be taken on head on. And it has to, it almost like you have to make a recommitment in your marriage to say like, is this something that I can do? Here is what it's going to take. It's going to be taxing. It can be stressful at times. It may be up. It may be down. But is that something that I can handle? Is that something that I can deal with? Um, And of course, depending on what type of mental illness, sometimes, you know, you find the right medication combo and the person is stable for a majority of the time, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. And there's so much inconsistency that um, you don't know what to do. And ultimately, you know, Hopefully you're having open conversation and dialogues with your spouse, you know, as best as you can, but it depends on the people in the marriage and I have no right and no stake in your marriage and therefore I can't make that call and I can't tell you what's the best decision for you to make. I just want to address and acknowledge that this decision is difficult and that it's not easy And it's not a simple answer. And it's not just something that is just like, yes, this is right. And yes, this is wrong. I know that wasn't a direct answer, but, you know, I hope that I I at least acknowledge that, you know, this is part of the question when dealing with a spouse with mental illness. Although that this was maybe more of a somber episode in that we're talking about, you know, the dark corners of marriage and, you know, those those stronger issues, um, I just want to reiterate that although mental illness is difficult, there are many things in marriage that are difficult, many things in marriage that may take you out, many things in that makes you reconsider and think about that commitment that you made, right? But there is still hope in these things, right? So although um, it is difficult sometimes to discuss, I want everyone to know and destigmatize mental health as just like, uh, you know, completely somber and like, oh, my life is over, everything is done, you know, but um, there is hope in, in it. And many people have a full, uh, fulfilling lives, even with a mental health um, issue. So I'm going to leave um, as many resources as I can in the show notes. Um, there is an amazing YouTube channel, um, La- LaGuardia Cross, and I'm going to link his YouTube there, but he is very candid and very open about sharing his experience with his wife having severe depression. They have two children and, you know, it wasn't an easy battle. Um, you know, now they feel like they're in a great space, but for a long time, uh, for a while, you know, through hospitalizations and different medications and switching jobs, switching careers and having children, like all those things, you know, mental health issue is, is very present in all those things that they're going through. And, um, I really enjoyed watching his videos and his candor in discussing his wife's, um, him and his wife actually discuss her severe um, depression and how it affected their relationship. Um, so I'm going to link, um, that YouTube channel there and link a few vi- of videos on there. Um, there's also tons of resources on how to talk about mental illness, because unfortunately, like I mentioned before, sometimes because of 
because of the stigma, because we're so afraid to say, to be labeled as crazy, to be labeled as a burden, right? We don't want to be all that to, to people and we don't want pe- to scare people away. Sometimes we just struggle in silence and it's better to, to not worry anybody. And, you know, I'll just deal with my anxiety. I'll just make myself happy if I'm depressed and, you know, I'm super emotional. Maybe I have bipolar disorder. Maybe I have PTSD. Maybe I have an eating disorder, but I'll just suffer in silence because I'm scared. Right. So there's, there's, um, a resource to help you to just have the conversation, just to start the conversation and communicate, right? Um, it's letstalk.bell.ca, but that's just one, but there will be more resources um, in the show notes for anyone who uh, may be um, dealing with mental illness or maybe your your spouse you know, is you, you are seeing some signs and you want to have the conversation and, you know, maybe your spouse doesn't realize it, but you realize it and you want to have the conversation. There are ways to start that conversation. So we're definitely, I'm definitely going to be, um, linking all that information in the show notes. And I hope, I hope that it's helpful to you, um, in knowing that you are not alone. So to end this episode, I would like to end with a quote from Mark Lukak. Um, He was a man who presented on his experience with his wife's bipolar uh, disorder. And um, I just thought that he summed this up so um, nicely. And I just wanted to end with that. He says, when I was 18, I had no idea how demanding and scary love is and how much it asks of us. My wife's mental illness has added tremendous layers of sadness and uncertainty and fear into our lives, but it's also shown me that there truly is no greater reward than to love someone and to be loved in return. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Black Marriage Therapy. If you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Marriage Therapy. Thanks again for listening and see you again soon.